Welcome into the Duck Territory podcast, and we're recording this uh, from the Austin Press Box Saturday night. I'm Matt Prem. Eric Scopel is sitting to my right. This is weird. Usually we're across from each other. Yes. yes. I usually say you're across the way. But, you're not, uh, but you can't say that now. Then I'd be in like the president's box, which would be pretty far away. Uh, coming off, uh, we're recording this podcast Saturday night off of Oregon's 69-10 to 10 victory over Oregon State in the 121st Civil War. Uh, there's a lot to unpack here. Um, we'll talk about the football game. We'll talk about the trash talk game. Uh, and we'll kind of maybe just, we'll go more in depth later this week, I think, on the overall season, but just kind of our, our first impressions of Oregon's seven and five year, uh, in the 2017 season, Willie Taggart's first season. But let's get to this Oregon football game, and it was probably their best game. Uh, all season long. Uh, yeah, I, I just put out my position grades and letter grades, which I which I do after every game, and I gave them an A-plus this time, which is the best grade I've given them, and I think it's kind of pretty well deserved. I mean, you just look at the score. They scored the second most points they've scored all season. The most was against an FCS school, Southern Utah. They held Oregon State to, I believe, the, the, the second least points all season, or is it yeah. the least? Not the least. It's the least. Yeah, um, and, and so this, this was far and away, I think, their most complete performance, and Coming against a, a bitter rival that beat you last year and kind of left a bitter feel in your mouth, um, <clears throat> I'm sure play into it. We'll get into a lot of that kind of stuff as well. But Oregon dominated from the jump. I mean, that first drive only ends results in a, in a field goal, but the first seven times Oregon touched the football, Scores. they get points out of it. And the first six touchdowns, one field goal. And the first seven times Oregon State touches the ball. It's, I think, four punts, two turnovers, and one touchdown. So Oregon, Oregon dominated this one from start to finish. Um, <clears throat> very impressed with the way Oregon was up front on both sides. Yep. I think we were concerned <clears throat> about Ryan Nall being maybe the X factor for Oregon State. Finishes with 41 yards rushing. Last couple of years, he's averaged about 163. So they bottled him up. Conversely, when Oregon had the football, Royce Freeman, Kanai Benoit, basically anybody touching the football was able to get the ball moving down the field. And <clears throat> it was a big day for Royce Freeman. He, he surpassed. <laughs> he averaged 11 yards <clears throat> carry. Yeah. Every time he touched the ball. Or that, sorry, that was uh, Ken Ivan Wall. But, but either way, I mean, whoever was touching the football was picking up big chunks, and Royce Freeman becomes the conference's most. Uh, breaks the, the conference record for most touchdowns in their career. Which was previously held by Ken Simonton, uh, former Oregon, Oregon State, State running star. back. So, yeah, there was a little significance there. But I, I, I was just really impressed. I thought they won the battle up front. And then on the outside, I mean, it, it's not really competitive. Oregon forces a number of turnovers. Uh, Oregon State really struggled to find anything going in the passing game. And it was really a game where... I know it's 69 to 10, and that sounds impressive, but Oregon kind of did take the foot off the gas, I felt. You know, in the second half, they were up 52 to 7 at half. Yeah. And then midway through the third quarter, they pulled the starters, and it was Braxton Burmeister and Taylor Alley. And at that point, they scored, I think, just, uh, I think, 10 points. Two touchdowns. They scored that. Yeah, they, they scored a touchdown by Benoit. Uh, oh, and the Hollins. And Hollins, and Hollins had a pick six. <clears throat> right. And then I think there was two field goals um, by Aiden Schneider. Uh, but overall, this was a game where going in, we kind of had a feeling Oregon was going to be able to put up some impressive numbers offensively, um, yeah. limit the Beavers defensively. Uh, the Ducks finished with 28 first downs. 17 of those came through uh, the air. They ran for 311 yards. They passed for just 266. They finished with 577 yards. 
they averaged 7.7 <laughs> yards per play, and at one point in like, the second half, like mind 10. you, it was up. It was above 10. That was when Oregon starters were in the game. Uh, they were averaging a first down every single play, essentially. Um, I thought defensively the Ducks were terrific. And look, let's let's be real. We said this on the podcast going in. Uh, everyone kind of knew this uh, going into the game that Oregon State was one dimensional. They had Ryan Nall, and then af- outside of that, it, they had very little talent. Yes, and. Your, as you said earlier, to Oregon State's credit, Ryan Nall had produced huge games against Oregon. Yep. His previous two game, his previous two games in this series, uh, arguably probably his two best games mm-hmm. of his Oregon State career, mm-hmm. uh, and he was absolutely just shut down um, from the very get go. Troy Dye, the, the Oregon sophomore linebacker, mentioned how they had four or five different guys running the football. At running back and how you never really typically see that. He, I mean, his quote was, we had guys running the ball that weren't on a scouting report. <laughs> um, and he didn't understand why that was, but he, he said it was clear that he felt like Oregon State just couldn't get anything going and they were trying anything to, to move the football. Um, I was equally as impressed with Oregon's defense as I was with Oregon's offense that put up 69 points. And I understand this is an OSU team that finishes the regular season 1-11 losing 10 straight games uh, and arguably one of the worst teams we've seen ever uh, come come through uh, Austin. 12, yeah. Yeah, in, in terms of our, at least our time covering mm-hmm. Oregon football. Um, or Washington when they went 0-12 is the other yeah, thing that comes to mind. But at the same time, look, this is a rivalry game. Oregon State's been able to put up points at least in garbage minutes. You know, I was expecting Oregon, you know, to blow them out and then, you know, give up 14 or, or 17 points in the fourth quarter, and, and you know, Oregon State could could maybe leave the field with something positive to lean uh, their hat on, and that didn't happen at all. Well, I mean, I was going to say we both were pretty optimistic with our predictions. I felt like I we I had them winning by I think forty six points. You had them winning by forty two. Oregon was a twenty four and a half point favorite, and they won by fifty nine points. Yeah, I mean, they were more dominant than I think anyone really could have expected, and. Um, I think we both kind of felt like, you know, they could run away with this one. I thought this game was going to be relatively close early, but this was basically a laugher. I mean, Oregon scored 35 points in the second quarter. Yeah. They scored 17 in the first. And, and again, the only thing that stopped them from scoring 100 was A, themselves pulling themselves off the gas and pulling the starters off the bench. And then in the first half, in the first quarter and in the third quarter, Penalties negating first down, uh, touchdown drives. Yeah, Oregon scored 69 points, and I believe they had over 100 yards in penalties. Let me see if I can find that. Yeah, they had 138 yards in penalties, which actually might be a season high. And if they go out and they score 69 points, so it, that that didn't matter in this game. And, and we were talking off air a couple minutes ago about is it possible that Oregon State is actually the worst team Oregon has played all year? I think you have to say that. They and are. I was like, oh, well, what about Southern Utah? Well, Southern Utah's actually won nine in a row. They're actually nine and two this year, so they're actually a very good FCS team. Wyoming has seven and five. So, you know, this may actually be the worst team Oregon has played this season, which, you know, is probably indicative of why the score was so lopsided. At the same time, it's a rival, a bitter rival that really won this game, and maybe segueing into kind of more about. I think this rivalry gets a lot more bitter <laughs> and, a, and a lot more chippy moving forward. Because I'm not sure. I, Oregon probably won this game. They lost it last year. They broke an eight. I know, I'm sure Oregon State was talking a lot of smack during the offseason, but boy, did the smack talk pick up this over the past week or so. 
and you had Oregon State head coach Corey Hall making some comments that didn't really sit well with Oregon players. You had them closing practice with F the Ducks. They had them report on the field reportedly today yeah. saying F the Ducks on the O. And I know we know all of this got back to Oregon. Um, sometimes you're not sure how much all of this impacts the game, but after the game, Oregon players... They were players, straight up and honest about it. Yeah, Oregon players were very clear that they had heard it, they were listening to it, and that it impacted kind of their mindset going in, and boy, did they lay the wood on them. You know, Jalen Jelks, I asked him, how much did the off-the-field comments from OSU's side this week play into this performance? And he said everything. Mm-hmm. Um, it had everything to do with it. Uh, he mentioned that the team watched some kind of a video right before they went out to take the field for the first half of all the video highlights, of all the stuff that was said. Um, Kevin Wade of, of educk and scout.com, uh, our, our kind of our sister site, he was here in the press box and, uh, when Oregon State's team went out onto the O and pregame, no one else was out on the field and they gathered as a, co- as a collective team and they said after the Ducks. Mm-hmm. That got back to yeah. uh, Willie Taggart. There's a video out that's been put out by GoDucks.com of Taggart's postgame comments inside the locker room, and he even addressed it of, you know, no one disrespects the O. No one goes on the O and disrespects the O. And you know this team saw everything that was said, and they did a really good job on Tuesday and Wednesday when they spoke with us, the media, uh, offense on Tuesday, defense on Wednesday, to not really throw any volleys back. I mean, Arion Springs had, I think, the only one that was yeah. really out there. Um, and it was pretty tame. And it was pretty tame. And Taggart was asked about the raincoat's jacket comment, and you could tell he was trying really hard not to, to fire back, and yeah. you could tell it was also playing into his mind, this is going to be game day motivation type stuff. And the stuff that Corey Hall said that got this week of trash talk, if you will, air quotes, going, was pretty tame. I agree, and yeah. you In context... It, it was pretty tame. It wasn't anything malicious or, or I, I think, anything that was just downright embarrassing. No. Um, because, look, let's be real. You know, Aaron Springs even said it himself during the week that it got cold and Oregon kind of crumbled under the elements in that game, and, and they lost. And um, But it's I think it's the – it's whether it was intended or not, the ramifications of a head coach coming out and throwing some kind of trash talk – out there, whether it was weak or not, is besides the point. It's the fact that he's doing it, and that pisses off a football team. That's what Henry Mondu said. Was I don't know why head coaches go yeah. out and say stuff like I found, this. I found that to be very telling. Henry Mondu senior saying, "Why did they do that?" Basically, and, he, and, and I, he's and like the most calm guy yeah, who and, doesn't trash talk at and, all. And and I have the exact same question. Now it's one thing if you're a ten win team and you're going into a rival and you've been beaten up on them for a decade. It's another thing when you had your first win last year in, in nine years or eight years, I guess it was. And you're one in ten this year. You've lost nine games in a row. You probably, I mean, they're obviously not coming. I think they're going to get the butts kicked. But realistically, you're probably going to get your butts kicked. Right. Why do you poke the bear? Yeah, I really don't understand it. And and, and that's basically kind of was what all. I mean, I think a lot of the Oregon players are probably like, why? why? 
Like, we, we, we're, we're better than you. We're probably going to win this game. Why, why are you trying to talk trash talk us? We don't need extra motivation. Right. We realize that we, sh- we, we need to beat you. This is a big game for us. Why, why are you talking trash? And I think I do. I really think that plays a part in how dominant Oregon was. I think they came out really, really angry because, I mean, for whatever reason, Oregon State poked the bear. I mean, and you can, you can see it in the way the play calling played out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oregon starters were in midway through the third quarter they when fifty points. When they were up fifty yeah. points, um, Willie Taggart icing the kicker for Oregon State <laughs> right before the half. Up what forty five? Yeah. Um, with just twenty seconds to go, you know, and it worked. Um, you know, there were things that you could you could tell that you know Taggart taking deep shots with you know fifty yeah. point lead in the third quarter. Yeah. You know this team was running their offense and executing with their first team. Offense and defense all the way midway through the third quarter, even though they were up 50. And I think it's because the comments that were made. And whether they were malicious or they weren't malicious, it's the fact that you did it and you kind of singled something out. I mean, I think in rivalry games, there's always going to be some kind of trash talk. There's always going to be some kind of hatred stuff that's put out there. But it's... The typical, oh, they're, they're, they're Washington. We don't like the Huskies. You know, it's, it, it's a bad, it's bad for our season if, if we lose to them type stuff. Yeah. And then there's making it personal. And Corey Hall made it personal. Whether he, he tried to or thought he was or not, that's what happened. And look, personally, I'm sitting here. I'm, I'm in the front row doing Facebook Live and the, the Taggart, <laughs> Taggart's out there saying everything he, he said. He came out and said we had extra motivation. He also had a great line about raincoats. Yes. <laughs> it, 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 he said at the very end they put on the raincoats and it was rainy because it was raining touchdowns. <laughs> Which was a great line. Um, and then we had, I think, nine players come through and, and speak with the media. And I'm sitting there wishing <laughs> I had popcorn because it's like, <laughs> this is really entertaining. And I guarantee you, uh, just like – the stuff that Arizona said all week and the way they played against Oregon, I think Oregon's going to have a little bit of chippiness uh, towards Arizona next year down there, and I'm sure Arizona's going to have it back. Yeah. This game's going to have a little bit more spice added to it next season because of the stuff that Oregon said. I mean, Troy, da- Troy Dyson, shout out to the head coach for providing us that extra motivation. I mean, it got personal for this well, team, and, and they certainly felt their oats and afterwards. And it's one thing that we haven't mentioned is that Oregon State says all this stuff. They say F the Ducks twice on record that we know of. And then they come out and the very first play commit a personal foul yeah. penalty. And I think they had four in the first half, which are 15-yard penalties that give Oregon advantage. I think that just is an example of lack of discipline and, yeah. and kind of lack of focus. And they're out here you know, trying to play with some bravado that they really just can't back up. And I really, I really do think this plays into you have a basically a rookie head coach who's not really a head coach, he's an interim head coach, who probably, you know, thought, you know, how are we going to approach this? Let's see if we can, you know, get the team riled up like it's a, our Super Bowl. And I think it completely backfired. And I, I would guess that if, if Corey Howell had a truth sermon he was asked about, he would say, gosh, I wish we hadn't said those things and done those things. Yeah. Because what it resulted in was a lot of animosity, a humongous loss, and probably one of the more embarrassing days in Oregon State history. I mean, this is the largest... Uh, margin of loss yeah. in a game, and the most we've been, most but, points most in a civil war, yeah. most points scored at a, in a civil war at Autzen. Um, largest margin, like we said, yeah, I mean, largest margin was, of victory, which was previously a forty-four to nothing. This is this basically the biggest ass kicking in the history of this rival, and this is the hundred and twenty-first <laughs> rivalry game. So there's been a lot of them, and this was just you know. Oregon State players came out after today and said that last year's win over Oregon State was good and was. 
propelled them to expect you know higher expectations and demand more from themselves, but at the same time was their downfall. They said they talked a lot about that win too much and they didn't move on from it quick enough and rested on their laurels. The same stuff right now is coming out of Oregon's mouth. You know, they are certainly fired up that they won this game, and it's yeah. going to be how they respond and don't just sit and expect that this is going to happen every single time now because I guarantee you uh, that loss last year at, at the Civil War in Corvallis got Mark Helfrich and his coaching staff fired and brought in a new culture and a new way and a new way of doing things for this Oregon football program and has, has kind of jump-started this program again. And that's going to be what is going to be going on this offseason at Oregon State. And they're going to be thinking all year long about how Oregon performed on the field, how Oregon took those shots down on the field, yep. and then what they said afterwards. And you know, meanwhile, I'm sitting here going, this is, this is going to be awesome because now these teams legitimately hate each other again. Yes. yes. Uh, well, one thing I do want to mention here, and just reflecting on – kind of tonight's game and last week's game is with Justin Herbert healthy, I think you can argue this is one of the better offenses in the country. Absolutely. Um, I, I, I kind of crunched, crunched numbers, if you will. It's pretty easy math. But Oregon, with Justin Herbert starting, is averaging 52.3 points per game. I think that's tops in the country. It would be four points better than what Central Florida averages, which is tops in the country. And, of course, if you look at that, you're, you're, you're also removing games against Washington, against Stanford, against Utah, right. against some really good Washington State, some really good defenses. defensive teams. But... It, the point remains. What with, if? What if? And but also with Justin Herbert, this offense is really, really, really good. And again, yeah, you can play the what if game, but I think just looking forward to next year. I know Oregon loses Royce Freeman, lose Tyrell Crosby, lose Ken I Benoit, lose a couple other guys, but this offense has potential to be very, very, very good. And I think you got a glimpse of that tonight again. Of boy, this team has a lot of weapons, and with Justin Herbert out there slinging, it, and man, did he have some great throws. You can kind of pinch yourself and go. We could be pretty good next year. Yeah, Oregon Oregon fans and the Oregon coaches and the Oregon players have to feel really, really good about how this season has ended. Uh, a very impressive win over a ranked, a then ranked Arizona team, uh, and Khalil Tate, arguably one of the best five best players in, in college football, um, guys who potentially could make the Heisman. Um, and then you absolutely just obliterate and demolish your in-state rival in the Beavers. Uh, and in those two games, what, they scored 48 and 69? You know, so that's what... five points a game. Man. Yeah, you're scoring 110 points in two games with Justin Herbert back. Um, the offense looks good. The defense looks good. And now you're going into a bowl game where we don't know where that is uh, with a chance to win eight games... And that's kind of you know look going into the year you're like hey if if, if Oregon could get eight that's that's pretty, pretty that's it. pretty good but now the way they, the way they've played the last two weeks you know I don't expect them to be ranked going into a bowl game but if they do this a third straight week where they put up fifty points uh, in, in a bowl game and, and they win single you know pretty convincingly they're going to finish the year ranked and I, I, I have no 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 doubts about that. and I'll say this. The, looking at the bowl draws that Oregon may have, it looks like it's probably either going to be a Cactus Bowl against a Big 12 team or the Las Vegas Bowl against Mountain West Conference, uh, Mountain, champion. Mountain West Conference champion, which I think is Fresno State. Um, those teams do not want to see Oregon right now. No. Oregon is the last seven-win team you want to see in the country right now because they have proven in the six games that Justin Herbert has played that they are really, really good. And, uh, yeah, th- this is not a team that anyone wants to play right now. And obviously these top ten teams probably are like whatever, but – 
you know, if you're West Virginia, which I know I think is right now the, the favorite team in the Cactus Bowl that they play in the Big 12 or Fresno State, you're probably going like, we had a great season, and now we have to face a team that, like, realistically could be a top 15 team nationally yeah. if they had a healthy, they've been healthy, they've been healthy all year. If, if they were, they're one shoulder injury away from probably being two or three more wins, two or three more wins, and, and possibly competing for like a, a New Year's Six Bowl. Maybe that's projecting too much, but no, regardless of how you slice it, this is a uh, this is a very dangerous team late in the season, and and you know, with three more weeks of preparation, with Justin Herbert getting more healthy and comfortable in the offense, or whatever it might be, a month depending upon when they play again. Um, this is going to be a really, really dangerous team yeah. in late December. And keep in mind also, um, one thing that's gone, I think, you know, we've we've talked a lot about the trash talk. We've talked a lot about the play on the field. Um, and that's playing and, and dominating the Internet, Twitter, or, you know, radio. But this team also had, to date, there's a bigger weekend coming up in the 15th of December. But so, you know, through 12 yeah. games of the season – they had their biggest recruiting weekend this year, yeah. this week. Yeah. Um, they're going to have more official visitors on December 15th, but they had eight official visitors, 32 total prospects Huge. were on campus this weekend for this game in the stands. And I know the, the competition they were playing wasn't impressive, um, but the way Oregon won, the way Oregon played, the environment, everything about tonight, about as perfect as, as it could get. It was cold, but it was dry. Um Exciting game, big plays. I'm sure that locker room. We we walked out of the HTC, you know, yeah, where like where interviews are at, and it was you know considering other weeks and stuff. It was, a, it was very lively inside, and there were you know, we're not interacting with those recruits in that short 45 second period that we're in there, but typically they are in somewhere in that building as we're leaving, and you can you can tell you right now this place is jumping right now mm-hmm. in terms of excitement, in terms of juice. Uh, in terms of interest from recruits, and they had a huge recruiting weekend. They had a five-star on campus. They had multiple four-stars from the 2018 class, from the 2019 class. They had commits on campus, help peer recruiting. Like You wrote a great feature on that a couple mm-hmm. weeks ago. Um, this week, this weekend could not have gone any better, I think, for the present state of the football program, the immediate future of next season, and the potential years down the road yeah. with, with college football recruiting as well. Absolutely, and, and, and it's worth reminding listeners if they haven't been following recruiting, Oregon has a tremendous class already in place right now. Six in the country. in the country in the 2018 recruiting class. Um, have room to add five to seven guys, I think, and I think you wouldn't be surprised if they come away with a couple commitments from this weekend, and certainly it looks like they're in position to close really strong in a couple weeks when, when they get a lot of these guys to sign on December 15th, so... Yeah, like you said, tonight was was a day that I think the on the field play was huge for kind of the short term and long term future of the program. But the recruiting ramifications could pr- prove to be almost bigger, especially when you look at the long term. Because it's one thing to it's worth mentioning just this staff is doing this with the previous staff's recruits. Yep. When they bring in multiple classes of what looks like will be top five, top ten classes under Willie Taggart. They potentially, they potentially will have a huge increase in talent, and and now when you're playing with your guys and your style, and your that's when you really start seeing the payoff of, of good coaching. That's gonna, it's gonna develop some interesting times, some exciting times for Oregon football. Um, in the coming days, we'll we'll do kind of a season recap podcast. Yeah, um, a lot has changed in the landscape of the Pac-12. Yeah. Within the last couple of days, Chip Kelly, coaches getting fired, 
Um, we'll see what happens if any other coaches get fired. We'll probably know relatively soon yeah. uh, if that happens or not. Regular season ended for pretty much everybody today. Because the December 20th signing day is coming. That's going to push a lot of things up. Now, coaches, you know, coaching hires need to be made relatively quickly, uh, basically in the next week or so. If you're going to make a hire and you want to be able to have any kind of a chance to sign um, recruits on December 20th, you need to make a hire quickly. So we'll, we'll break that down as well. We'll give our um, our impressions from this 2017 football season. I think we'll talk more what if. Mm-hmm. Uh, Justin Herbert never got hurt. Uh, we'll also talk about bowl possibilities. Um, Oregon's not going to be practicing this week, and we'll, we'll get a, a definitive answer of where they're going uh, next Sunday, potentially Saturday night maybe. We'll, might maybe leak out. Might start leaking out. Yeah. Uh, but Ducks are going bowling. They've secured a spot. Where that is, we're not quite sure. 100% yet. We've got a good feel for where that could be, though. It's going to be warm. Um, It's going to be warm either way. Uh, And on top of that, we've got a lot to talk about for recruiting purposes uh, as the season kicks now into recruiting gear for this football staff. So uh, until we talk to you later this week, thanks for listening. Uh, Again, Ducks win uh, 69-10 to over Oregon State, their bitter rivals, to improve to 7-5 in the regular season, and now they wait their bull fate. Uh, Until we talk to you sometime, we will talk to you then. Thanks, guys. See you guys.